Happy Black History Month. Today we're sharing a short segment from one of our partner podcasts, Do or Do Not Podcast. For the full podcast episode, please visit their website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and all podcasting outlets. They aim to highlight osteopathic physicians and their trials and tribulations. This interview was performed by Dr. Ian Storch. You are listening to Do or Do Not. If you're interested in joining our team or have suggestions or comments, please contact us at doordonotpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we have Dr. William Anderson. Dr. Anderson is a 93-year-old African-American osteopathic physician who currently is a professor of surgery and senior advisor to the dean at the Michigan State University College of Osteopathic Medicine. He holds the distinction of being the first African-American on the American Osteopathic Association Board of Trustees and served as the president of the American Osteopathic Association in 1994 and 1995. Dr. Anderson was born in Americus, Georgia in 1927 and attended Des Moines University College of Osteopathic Medicine. He returned to Albany, Georgia, where he was prevented from treating patients because of segregationist policies in 1957. He became a pioneer in the civil rights movement and was a personal friend and colleague of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His story is amazing and uplifting. This is an episode not to miss. We hope you enjoy it. Dr. Anderson, (laughs) thank you so much for being with us tonight. I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) I graduated in the top 10% of my class while I was doing the radio program. I was doing the preparation of cadavers. I was teaching anatomy, and they, I've been asked, well, when did you sleep? Well, I didn't. I decided I would sleep sometime later, but no, I did not have time to sleep. But when I finished, I was invited to come back to Albany, the same black deal, the only one in the entire southern United States, write that down, that was one black deal in the entire southern United States, that's Georgia, Alabama. Mississippi and Louisiana. None of them had a black DO. And the one or two that had a DO, they were limited to manipulation. So we were breaking ice all the way. So I went back to Albany and Dr. Reese, he said to me, you can come in and join me. We can work together. Or if you want to do independent, he says, I will help you get started. And he did just everything he said he would do. I had a very successful practice, but this was a very segregated town. There was no mixture of the races. Blacks did not have access to any of the facilities. You couldn't buy at certain stores. You couldn't stay at the hotel. You couldn't go into bars, (laughs) restaurants. That's where I elected to practice. How profound found that turned out to be because while I was there, Martin Luther King was making waves in Montgomery. And you are very familiar with the Montgomery bus boycott that was success. I later became the physician for Rosa Parks, who was the spark for that event. And because Martin Luther King had come from Atlanta and I had met him there because he and my brother-in-law were very close friends, he had the been an active participant in the Montgomery bus boycott. Matter of fact, he was a, he was a reason for the success. So, practicing in Albany now, 
the Students Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, they were called, came into Albany just to try to get blacks registered to vote, and they were rebuffed. They were turned down, no opportunity to register to vote. So SNCC students came there and they started demonstrating. I could see them demonstrating from my office, which was on the second floor in the middle of a section called Harlem. Well, there were many of those throughout the United States, Harlem. When I saw them out there demonstrating and I saw how they were being abused and mistreated, I went home that evening to, and I told my wife, and I had three kids by then, I said to my wife, those kids who are demonstrating, protesting to get the right just to register and vote, and look how they're being treated. And I said, they are doing that for us, my wife and I. She, she died a few years ago, but I have a wonderful woman now with me. But I said, they're doing that for us. It's not for them. And I said, what are you going to do? I told my children, I said, I want you to understand that I'm going to go and join them and I might be locked up like they get locked up. But it's not because I'm a criminal. I had to explain that to them up front because they thought if you were arrested and you were put in jail, you had to have done something wrong. So I had to explain to them, I'm going to do this and it is very likely that I'm going to be in jail with those students, but it's not because I've done anything wrong. It's because I'm preparing a way for you to get the right to register and vote as an American citizen. So yes, <laughs> I did go and my wife went also and my wife got arrested before I got arrested. <laughs> now, how do I go back and tell my children the next day, oh, by the way, your mother's in jail. <laughs> <laughs> but they began to understand and the older one wanted to join the demonstrations. If it meant going to jail, she wanted to do that. Well, that went on for five or six years. But eventually, go fast forward, and you go back to Albania, find out that the mayor for the last two terms was black, the chief of police is black, integration of everything. So it is totally different, and because of what was started 50 years ago with Students Nonviolent Coordinated Committee, and those adults who are willing to join the students and support them. And while, if you think about it a little bit, if you go into a new community, there are three classes of people that are readily recognized and they are revered. The preacher, hopefully, the rabbi, if you're Jewish, the teacher, if you got a good teacher, and oh, it's the preacher, the rabbi. So if you have someone in the community that is admired and respected, all they have to do is say, follow me. The doctor was in that category. And I said to the students at a rally, because we had a rally every night, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to march. Very likely we're going to go to jail. And when I went home to tell my wife that, she said, I'm going with you. No, you can't. Yes, I am. And she went with me. And yes, we did march. I did not get arrested because the third time around downtown, I told her, they're not going to do anything today. I'm going to my office to see my patients. You take me around one more time and then go back home. I couldn't find my wife there after because they had locked her up. Now go and tell my, by the way, <laughs> your mother's in jail. <laughs>
<laughs> and I don't know where she is. I don't know when I'm going to get her out. But then I had several hundred people that followed me off to jail that day. But I remembered I had befriended two people, Martin Luther King in Atlanta, who I got to know, Rev. David Abernathy in Montgomery with Rosa Parks, who was my classmate in college in Alabama. I said, they've had the experience. Look at Montgomery, a success. It began to knock down racial barriers. The same thing can happen in Albany. So that being said, I got on the phone and I called Martin and I called Ralph. And although they were hesitant to come because we had no organization, we had no money, and there were only two black lawyers in the entire southern United States that would take a civil rights case. One of them happened to be in Albany, Georgia. You know, two. There were three before we were done because there was one in Atlanta, one in Tuskegee, and one in Albany. They were our representatives. But once the attention of the nation came to Albany, NAACP sent its top lawyers down. Thurgood Marshall was living then. He eventually got on the Supreme Court. He sent one of the lawyers on his staff down to Albany, Georgia to work with me and Martin Luther King and Ref Abernathy. And yes, that is unbelievable. well, it's a long story, but I have given you the gist of it. The rest is history. That whole story is unbelievable and amazing. Forgetting about your medical accolades, I, just everything that you did and going to jail and sending your wife to jail and having to explain to your children, I, I, I don't think anybody could top that. Thank you for listening to this short segment. Please follow our friends at Dio or Do Not Podcast for Dr. William Anderson's journey to medicine.